Welcome to my podcast, Midlife with Courage, where my goal is to inspire you, a woman who wants to step outside of her comfort zone and live an amazing life. I'm Kim Benoy. I'll share my experiences, stories, and interviews with other amazing women that are meant to help you take those first steps towards something fantastic. So let's not wait another minute to get started. Hello and welcome back to Midlife with Courage. I'm Kim Benoit, your host, and I have a wonderful guest with us today. Her name is Lise Spence Parsons. Welcome, Lise. Oh, thank you very much, Kim. Lovely to be with you again today. Um, great to see you. Awesome. And as you all can tell, she's not from Minnesota originally, but that's where she lives now. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Um, who are you and where are you from? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as Kim rightly pointed out, I'm not from around these parts, as we like to say. Um, <laughs> I was born in London on a foggy day um, many moons ago in London, uh, the UK. Um, and I came to Minnesota with my husband for his work in 2002. Um, so I've been here now, well, gosh, 20 years. It's flown by. Time but flies. I yeah having a great time I'm um, currently living in Maple Grove which is sort of 15-20 miles northwest of Minneapolis perfect so tell us about tell us your story where what were you doing in England before you came here and what are you doing now and how did that all happen yeah so when I was in England obviously got born yeah right most people get born um <laughs> I did. I come, from, I come from an artistic family and I've always dabbled in the arts, absolutely adore it. And I spent hours in my bedroom cutting, sticking, gluing, you know, anything I could possibly get my hands on, melting crayons against hot light bulbs, you name it, I did it. Um, met my husband at a fun fair, all places. And then, you know, we were working, both working over there. I was working in the advertising industry um, as an accountant. And then one day he was working in a different place. And one day we, he picked up the phone and we got an offer to come and live and work here in Minnesota. And we just thought, you know, why not? You know, we're young. We've got nothing holding us back. We don't have any kids to pull out of school and ruin their lives. So <laughs> let's, let's go for it. Let's sell our house, got top dollar and off we went. The removal van came, loaded up the furniture. And uh, before we know it, we're in freezing cold northern tundra. Um, and the really funny bit about it was he actually promised me a white Christmas. Well, that was one of the years Minnesota didn't get a white Christmas. We got a brown. Oh, no. <laughs> so it was like, you lied and it's freezing and I want to go home. Oh, no. <laughs> the first year was hard because it was really difficult. But then um, I found out that I could do my art here and I fell in with um, someone else and she invited me to go to a bead shop. And before I know it, my beading business was born. Um, since then, I've also ex um, extended my uh, repertoire into watercolor painting. Uh, I do still lifes um, and fruits, botanicals, things like that. Mm -hmm. And I've also written uh, one book with another one on its way, which is published. And in my spare time, I am the lucky runner of the local art center here in Maple Grove. So that's basically my, my life. Your life in a nutshell. <laughs> Yeah, so it must have been like or was it like a huge culture shock coming from a whole different country and yes yeah. you were promised a white Christmas but you didn't get it 
I didn't get it. It was a culture shock. I mean, everyone here has been fantastic. The welcome I've received from everyone I've met has been nothing short of wondrous, but it was difficult because, you know, you come here, you've got no family. You don't have any base. You've got a few friends and you, you, we speak roughly the same language, but there are some words that are different. And you go into a grocery store, which I used to call a supermarket, and I used to push the trolley, which you call a cart. And, you know, you have some interesting experiences trying to buy vegetables and fruits and things. And you're asking for them and you're using the European name and the, the sales assistant gets frightened and disappears and doesn't come back. Oh. You know, he runs the warehouse and doesn't come back out because there's this weird sounding woman outside that he's never heard of before. Uh -huh. So I had some funny experiences. Um, it, it was difficult. I mean, who would think going into a grocery store to buy washing detergent would be difficult? Well, it is because you don't realize it, but you are so conditioned when you go shopping that you're looking for the blue packet or the red packet. And when you don't see the blue or the red packet on the shelf, you start looking and suddenly there are hundreds of different detergents there. And it's like, which one do I buy? <laughs> which is a good one? Do I go by price? Do I go by packet size? Do I do this? Do I do that? And my first experience in a grocery store, we walked around for three hours with an empty cart. And eventually oh, no. a guy came up and said, do you need help? After three he hours. We were, he, he, yeah, he actually thought we were some kind of people being let out for a day trip or something. <laughs> So, you know, it, we just left quickly and didn't go back for a long time. Oh, my gosh. But it, it took about, I would say it took about a year wow. to actually get um, acclimated to, to what life here is like. It, it, it is so different. We don't get extreme weather, dealing with the snow, dealing with the heat. They're all things that are totally were totally alien to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sure. I, I can't imagine doing that but um what a what an amazing thing to do what what an amazing journey to take yeah. um so tell me about the art and how i know you you mentioned melting the crayons tell us about that <laughs> so when we lived in england i was a kid and you know in my bedroom i didn't used to come out much unless i was forced out i used to be sitting in there doing my art and i i was it just like to experiment and i had these cheap crayons and i had a desk lamp on my desk doing my homework and whatnot and um my mother used to go in periodically and clean my room and I got home from school one day and she said, uh, I've been in your room today and I've been cleaning. I said, oh yeah, well, thanks. She goes, I'm very curious about the light bulb and your lamp and your desk. Said, what do you mean curious? She goes, well, it's got all bits of like wax and sort of colorful lumps of wax all over it. I said, has it? <laughs> she goes, yes, you know it has. What, what have you been doing? Uh, okay, well, you know, it just wanted to experiment, Mum. You know, I just thought it'd be fun to like hold the crayon over the light bulb so it melts and then use it as liquid wax on the paper. So then you could actually build up layers of thick wax and you could actually meld and mix the colours on, on your, you know, your medium. So she goes, I, I just, yes, yeah, she goes, I've changed your light bulb, but please don't do that anymore. Well, of course, that's like a red rug, red red light for a bull of course off you go and you do it again don't you I mean of course yes yeah yep. yeah so yeah that was kind of the light bulb and then the other funny story I had about art my father best present I ever got as a kid he brought me home it was huge it was a thick box oh it must have been what 60 inches by 35 inches and about four inches thick and it was full of fabulous colored cardstock 
three sheets of all colours. There's been 30 colours and three sheets. So it's 90 sheets. And, and he gave me a pot of cow gum glue with it. And my mother's fateful last words were, don't spill that on the rug. Well, of course. <laughs> that tipped over and it went into the rug. And it was in the days of shag pile. So you can imagine cow gum glue stuck in shag pile carpeting. Oh, mm. no. So that involves staying in my room for like two days with sort of picking out bits of glue and my mum knocking on, do you want dinner? No, I'm not hungry. Do you want breakfast? No, I'm not hungry. Oh, she didn't know that you did it. So you had to hide it, try to hide well, it. Well, I'm sure she knew because it couldn't get it all out. It was impossible <laughs> to get it all out. But, you know, she wasn't that mad at me. So that was like, okay. got away with that one. But that, that was basically my life. I just used to spend time in my childhood just either reading, writing poetry, gluing, sticking, waxing bits of crayon, whatever I sure. could do. Sure. And then, so a lot of women that I talk to, they have those kinds of, you know, that's what they like to do, like artistic things or mm. designing or whatever it is as kids or young adults. And then they grow up and they kind of leave that behind for a while. And yeah. so is that kind of what you did too? Since, I mean, you were in a cult yeah. for so many years. Yeah. yeah, it was, you know, it was needs must, isn't it? I mean, I met my husband and, you know, housing's expensive. It takes two people in decent jobs to pay a mortgage or rent, whatever you're going to do. Yeah. So I managed to get a job um, in advertising. It wasn't quite as boring as a regular accountancy job. There was a lot of parties and things to go to, so it kept it kind of lively. Mm -hmm. But basically, yes, you're right. Absolutely. 17, nearly 20 years in corporate madness is a polite <laughs> way of putting it. I mean, it was just, you know, it's just the whole time, every day, getting up, walking up to the station, hour and a half commute each way into London standing cramped on trains, battling people, getting in there, getting shouted at, meet this, do this, do this, do that, go home, you know, rinse and repeat five days a week. It actually is a slow killer. Sure. You know, I'm looking at other people on the train. When I found out we were coming here and I knew and I had like a year, I had to keep it secret because it was a whole secret thing. <laughs> and I stand on the train and I used to look at other people and I thought, ha, I'm not going to be like you. Ha, I'm not going to end up looking <laughs> old before my time. Um, <laughs> And, you know, it was just so great to know that I was going to get out of that rat race because it was just, it's untenable to do it for, you know, 35, 40 years of your life. Right, right. It's just too much. So when I got here, I mean, I spent about 18 months not knowing what to do. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, fell into the whole bead thing, stones, colour, texture, shape. And it's just the most fantastic medium. So, and I went to a class and the teacher of the class, she just said to me, she said, you know what? You can really do this well. Why don't you go to teach or set up a company? And I thought, yeah, set up a company. Yeah, I could do that. I've got the right background. I know accountancy. How do you set up a company in Minnesota? Went home, Googled it, found out, did it. And that was born in 2005. And here I am, you know, still doing it. Wow. So what do you, I mean, you mentioned the shape and the texture of the beads. And yeah. things. is that what you like the most about it? Or what, what is it yeah. that drew you to that? I think it is. I think it's the color and you know, definitely the shapes and, and laying things out and looking at combinations, you know, not just combinations of color, but also shape. You know, if you put like a rounder bead with a narrower bead, so you're forming a silhouette. So your necklace, it goes in, out, in, out, and then adding other elements and you know people say how long does it take to design something well you know how long is a piece of string it you know everything <laughs> you do is different I mean some things some designs come to you really quickly mm -hmm. others you lay out and you don't actually put together for a couple of days because you keep walking in and go mm, I'm not sure about that no I no, that's something wrong but I'm not sure what it is let me go away and then come back and then you pull something and you replace ah got it 
that's it. Now, now I'll do it. And then, you know, putting it together and then marketing it. Nice. And how do you market it? How do you sell your work? Um, I have a website, um, which I sell through that. Um, and then I do, well, not in 2020 and just starting really back again last year, but I do about six to eight high level quality art shows a year. Oh, okay. So that involves actually, you know, packing up the car, packing up the tent, packing all the stuff, driving. If the fair starts at nine, you're there at 5.30 in the morning getting set up, um, oh, wow. laying everything out and then standing there and just talking to people and, you know, just making those sales. Yeah, yeah. And then packing it all down and going home. Hopefully the, the box is a lot lighter and your wallet's a bit right. lighter. <laughs> right. That's the general plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do. Sometimes I do vendor events with my oils and I, I'll bring products that I've made and like, oh, please let these be sold so that I just because I just don't want to have to carry them back to the car at yeah, the end of the day. Exactly. It's just crazy. And I started my jewelry business and the actual jewelry is in a very, very small tote. And, you know, if it was just that, it would be so simple, but it's not. It's the tent. It's the tables. It's the display. It's the mechanisms which, which make the sale. It's the wrappings, the bags, the credit card machine. You know, it's yeah. all those extra things. It yep. takes a whole, you know, it fills the whole car up. Right, right. But, um, you know, I have so much fun. And, you know, the reason I really did that as well, set that business up, was because, like I said earlier, I didn't know anyone. Okay. And I was, believe it or not, quite a nervous person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a way to actually force my way out and actually meet other people. You, you know, you can't sit there just in the back of your tent looking down. You have to stand up and you have to engage the public. Mm hmm and you do actually get to know people yeah and you know it's a way of getting yourself out there and getting into other circles mm -hmm. so that's basically what i've spent the last what 20 years doing wow and so now are you feeling way different than when you were doing the the business and the, the oh, advertising yeah. yeah i mean honestly i feel him like your life is divided into chapters, you know, in a major book or something. I mean, I think I'm probably on chapter three. I think I've got a couple more chapters to go. I've got a couple more evolutions to go through. Uh-huh. Um, and I, you know, my, my, my dream now, I love doing my jewelry. My real dream now is to actually write a book and actually go on a book tour. And I know that sounds fantastical, but that is what I dream of. I dream of going to a book signing event and just sitting there and signing copies of my book amazing um, yeah yeah you've got to have aspiration in this life if right. you don't have that what have you got exactly exactly yeah I love that I mean I I don't know that I could ever do what you've done and just move to a whole different country and just kind of do something totally different and you know not have someone here that I know but you've done wonderful things um, just because yeah, you I mean, had to <laughs> yeah I mean I think if I was asked to do it now 20 years later it wouldn't be such an easy decision but you know what it's like when you're 35 years old mm -hmm. you feel that you're invincible at that point and you know there was always if it doesn't work out we can go back yeah you know it's not nothing in life is permanent nothing is permanent we all know that things changing all the time if it never works out I'm still a British citizen I haven't taken American citizenship yet I will be going for it soon to get dual but um, so, you know, I can always go back. I just, you know, get on a plane and we go. Right. It's, it, it wouldn't, I don't want to go back right now. It's not the country that I left. So it's probably not what I want to do. I love this country and I love the life it's offered me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So it's been good. So tell us a little bit about your book. 
my book, well, the first book I published was actually a series. It was actually a book, a collection of short stories. And I'm working on a second one of those because you can usually, you know, get a story out every couple of days. That's not too difficult. Mm-hmm. But the actual book book is a full length novel and it's called, it, w- it will be called The Remains of Men. Um, and it is about, it's actually set in three different time zones, World War One, World War Two, and current day. The current day girl, I suppose, yes, is somewhat modelled on myself. She's a bit of a girl about town in the media world, running around, having a bit of a fun time and not actually realising that she's only got the life she's got because of what did go before. Um, the other two parts of the story um world war one portion is about two guys that actually meet in world war one and they become firm friends mm-hmm. and as they did they had a bit of fun behind the lines r and r during the war and one of them gets a french girl pregnant Uh-oh. but he decides he can't stay he doesn't want to stay he goes back to london after the war they both survive they both go back um and he marries another girl in London. So he's got a whole UK London-based family and the girl in France, he doesn't know whatever happens to her. And he always feels enormous, enormous guilt. So he has to go back and he has to find her and find all that out. The third part of the story is actually about the Second World War and it's from the guy in the first part, the other guy, but he's now of an age where he's too old to actually fight in the war itself, but he is um, civil defense. So he will go around making sure people got the black up curtains out and everything. And so it's just really about how their lives intertwine and it actually raises a lot of social issues that the people in each of those three eras face. And it actually examines those issues. So it's it's been a lot of research. Um, It's set in London and Northern France and I'm hoping it will be finished by the end of this year. And Mm -hmm. I'm looking for an agent right now. Oh, wonderful. We had talked about this before, and I just find it fascinating how you can keep all three of those straight and then combine them into this book. I, I, that's amazing to me. <laughs> I think I have a good memory. Um, I hope I so. <laughs> use, um, excellent software. And if any of the writers are out there listening to this and you've not tried it, recommend it. Absolutely. Scrivener. It's a Scrivener. marvelous piece of, yeah, it's a marvelous piece of software. Um, it has a hold, uh, holding pen where you can put things you found on the internet you can hold storage you know articles about your background research oh. it's also got a bit where you can write the little characteristics of each character down like blue eyes five foot tall brown hair hates mushrooms loves women because there's nothing worse in a book where suddenly the the, the protagonist has blue eyes and suddenly now he's got green eyes oh. <laughs> so you know you have to keep all that thing straight and then I also made a fake family tree up okay so I went onto Ancestry and I just made a really fake family tree up and that will be published in the front of the book. Okay. Also with the timeline of historical events. So people can actually place oh, sure. all the events that I mentioned in the book. Yeah, good idea. Good idea. Awesome. So if people want to look for your uh, beads, your jewelry, where would they go? I have a website for that. Thank you for asking, Kim. It's lottiestrinkets.com. Okay. And the books, if you're interested in buying a book, and I'd love if you bought a book, um, you can either go to my website, which is leespence-parsons.com, or if you just simply go to amazon.com and just type my name in, the books will come up. Sure. And we'll put that information in the show notes. Um, oh, and I almost forgot. I usually ask my guests this question about if you could go back in time and give yourself some advice, what would that be? Yeah, I thought a lot about this. And I think I think what women have to realize is that you are strong. Um, you have to realize your own value in life. 
And I didn't actually get to that point in my life until my early 30s, just before I came to America. I was very, very shy. If someone invited me to a party, I asked what colour the walls were so I could wear the same colour top so I could disappear into the walls. And I would actually, because I was so shy. Then one day I actually woke up and I thought, you know what? You're 30 odd years old. Everyone is nervous inside, but everyone, you put a face up and eventually that face becomes semi-automatic. You just go into places now. I can go to places now. I can stand in public and talk. You just do it. And that's what I would say to someone else. Try and be brave. Everyone feels like you do inside quivering. Just be brave and do it and value yourself. Love it, love it, love it. I can see that in you. I've only met you over over the Zoom, but I can see that in you for mm-hmm. sure. So that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. And and you, we actually met through another person who's an artist. And yes. I met a whole bunch of ladies through her. And yeah. you guys yeah. are all wonderful. Yeah. So um, I love that you found people, you know, the same yeah. people, your tribe or whatever, what we like to My say. My tribe. You know, since we running the arts centre, you're running for growth. I found so many people out there. That's my tribe, my people. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel shy in front of them. I just sit down and kick back, and we just talk. And That's you know, wonderful. it's just so easy. When it, it doesn't matter what tribe you're in, but if you're in, you find your tribe. You've got a tribe of accountants. You've got a tribe of artists. You've got a tribe of nurses. Tribe of doctors. When you're in your tribe, you know that it's easy. Yeah, yeah. It's when you step out of that tribe, it's harder. But you need to, you need to learn. And that's what I say to people: you need to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. learn how to make make playtime with the other tribes and you will have fun yes definitely well Lise, thank you so much for sharing your insights and your story and i just love talking to you <laughs> thank you thank you so much for asking me onto this i've loved it absolutely loved it thank wonderful you. wonderful so um we will put your information in the show notes like i said so people can find thanks. you and yeah. i hope you have a great day and i will talk to you soon yeah thanks very much kim for your time appreciate it Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode today. As I was listening to Lise talk about her journey to a whole new life, hey, a whole new country, and how brave that was, it reminded me of our oil, which fittingly is called Brave. And it's actually called Courage Blend. And it's a wonderful oil. It's actually part of our kids line, but grown-ups can use it too. And I love all of the kids line, actually. Um, but the Courage Blend is just this wonderful little mix of citrus with a little bit of floral and just a touch of warm, spicy cinnamon. And it's really meant to help you face new situations and have that courage and confidence to do what you need to do. And it's just the perfect uh, blend um, to help you accomplish what you need to do when you're a little bit scared. We always talked about doing things scared, but you don't have to be petrified. You can get a little bit of help from your essential oils. So if you'd like to get your own roller bottle of Brave, our Courage Blend, I'm going to leave a link in the show notes for you to go ahead and check that out and purchase it if you would like. If you're not quite sure, you have a little bit more questions, you can send me an email at midlifewithcourage.com. Thank you and have a great week. You've been listening to Midlife with Courage, and I hope that you've been inspired and motivated to live your amazing life. I'm Kim Benoit, and I want you to live every moment. For more inspiration and motivation, check out my website, 
www.midlifewithcourage.com. You can read more about my story and find links to more great information. Take care of your beautiful self and I'll talk to you soon.